podcast where we're going to answer some of your guys questions from Instagram. Uh, Danny had some questions through from her followers and I had some questions through from mine. So we're going to cover them today. Um, hopefully this will be somewhat informative for both obviously females and males, uh, maybe female and male coaches or competitors because obviously we'll have a bit of a different perspective on things from Danny which would be great. Um, there are of course some questions which we may answer that are humorous um, which we'll cover in as much depth as we can. Um, if you're watching on, on video, obviously thank you for watching on YouTube um, and if you're watching on, as usual, SoundClouds, iTunes, etc. Um, first thing I would do want to mention as well is that Danny does have her own podcast, uh, which is very, very good. It's called the Female Fitness Podcast. She runs that with her friend Sammy, um, so you can check that out on both well. She's actually got a few episodes on YouTube um, with uh, one of her guests, Jasmine, and also most of the episodes go on audio format on, on iTunes, correct? Yeah. Cool. All right, so we'll get stuck into things. I think what we'll do is we'll go one by one. So I'll take one from mine, and then Daniel will take one from hers, and we'll go like that, so it's fair. Right, so Jim Fecker asks, favorite body part to train, and favorite exercise for that body part? So you can go first. Favorite body part to train, definitely legs. Favorite exercise, RDL, barbell RDL. 100%. Okay. okay. Well, sa same with legs, but I'm going to go with at the moment squat because that's the one that gets me the most excited. Um, but it's close. It's close between squat and hack and then RDL and then deadlift. So they're, they're all, all lower body big compound movements are my favourite. Um, so yeah, I think we're fairly similar on that front. You take one. Um. What are your favourite top UK gyms to train in? Okay, so I think we're pretty much agreed on this. Yeah, I think we'll agree. So... Ultraflex, yeah. Rotherham. Yeah, Ultraflex and Rotherham, Ultimate in Birmingham, and then... Strength Asylum. Yeah, we both like strength. And that's pretty much it, to be honest. Like, others are just... Those top, I think. Those are the top. There's plenty of good gyms in the UK, for sure, but... Those are the top Muscle ones. Works Orpington is quite good. Yeah, it is good. Although we didn't like the hack there. Yeah, the hack is. We good. both didn't get on well with that hack. Um, but yeah, so uh, those are our top gyms. If anyone else got, if anyone else has got any others, then put them in the comments. And if we haven't been to them, we'll go. Definitely. Cool. So uh, we've got some obviously some questions that are more in depth. So Sean asks, short aggressive cut after a long massing phase or not. And then what adjustment to training during during that cutting phase? Um, I'd say it depends. Like, what are you cutting for? Yeah. Are you cutting for a show, or yeah. is it just life? Like, you want yeah. To yeah. So, so just to give some some perspective on Danny, where she's at. If if no one knows, that you probably should. But if no one knows, Danny coaches primarily uh, females, and she's a competitor herself. Very experienced bikini competitor has been competing for three years most recent competitive season won an overall. So she's very much clued up on the process for females, um, especially bikini competitors. She's very clued up on that. Um, so with like bikini competitors, what also like after a longer massing phase, like 
is an aggressive phase of dieting always the best? Like, yes. what situation would you not aggressively diet a bikini competitor? Well, first of all, before dieting in general, as a woman, you need to make sure that your health markers are in a good place because there's no point entering a fat loss phase when you're not in a healthy state. Your body is not gonna cooperate to its full extent. And also, you're only gonna end up in a worse position than you started off. Um, and obviously, when you lose your menstrual cycle, for example, if you go into a deficit, you're probably not gonna increase your chances of getting that back. Um, and the longer you are without your menstrual cycle, the longer it's gonna to take to get back. So you wanna make sure you've got that for a start. Um, and we've also found that with females, they often have a higher stress response to dieting. So it can kind of like, fat loss doesn't always go as well with women, mm. especially if you do it aggressively. So I usually start off less aggressive with females and then get more aggressive further into the fat loss phase as opposed to starting off like with quite a big doctor calories and an increase in cardio for example yeah 100% I'm definitely in agreement and we've like me and Danny actually one of the questions I think was like whether we share or ask each other's questions based on client updates and whilst obviously a lot of what we do is very much confidential so client to client it's very much an individual feedback response we do tend to sort of at the end of our days, especially on busy check-in days, discuss what we've had and discuss whether we've seen sort of any correlations between clients that, you know, obviously I work with an amount of females and, and Danny works with all females. So I learn a lot from Danny in terms of the perspective on, on females. And something that I shared with her recently is the sense of, you know, going into mini cut phases or aggressive dieting phases with females just doesn't seem to be good. Like the response never seems to be great. Um, tends to hold a lot of diet, diet stress, fatigue goes to ten, tends to sort of rise significantly. And they tend to hold, just hold body weight. Um, even in a deficit that, from the amount of caloric deficit that we're creating, it should create a drop, should create a large drop. And that doesn't, just doesn't seem to happen, even amongst weeks of dieting. What I would um, also say is women are way more prone to creating a negative relationship with food if things are aggressive. Yeah. For example, you can experience huge fluctuations in hunger at certain times of the month, um, which can obviously cause issues with compliance. Yeah. Um, and they genuinely seem to be kind of like more prone to getting more stressed out. Sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hormonal responses yeah, to yeah. dieting seems to be elevated. Yeah. yeah. But, but the thing is, the interesting thing is like, I see that with some males. I see some males who have very similar characteristics in terms of the response to dieting that females do. And I like sometimes call like those males like stressy dieters or, or almost like relative female dieters because they seem to just accumulate way more diet stress than, than other yeah. males do. But then again, like you'll have some females that are, that are brutal in fat loss phases and just cruise through it. Yeah. So again, this is a very individual thing, but I see it more frequently with females that aggressive dieting isn't great. Um, to not hang about on this question for too long, the other thing that I did want to mention to Sean is that um, another thing to consider is the end of a massing phase. If you have the time to maintain, I would say that that's going to be beneficial, especially if your goal is to prolong an off-season phase. Because if you think about it, when you're at peak body weight in the off-season, you're probably gonna to want to stay at that point for a bit 
to see if you can eke out some more performance benefits before you drop into a, into a deficit. Um, if you go to peak off-season body weight and then drop straight into an aggressive caloric, caloric deficit, um, you're, you've essentially potentially wasted some time where you could have hardened that peak body weight before you started coming down. It's also worth considering if you are too aggressive at the start, you may not have much room to manoeuvre towards the end of a diet, especially as a woman. Our, calorie, our caloric intake at a starting point is lower than a guy's. So if we dock a huge amount of calories, mm. say you dropped 400 calories for a woman, 400 calories for a man, it's going to be a bigger percentage of the woman's caloric intake. Yeah. So it's a bigger drop yeah. as yeah. a percentage. Of course, yeah. yeah. And the adaptations that occur as yeah. a result of that are, are not good. Um, and essentially, it just again depends on the time that we've got, what the goal is, you know, yeah. where are we heading with this diet? Is it to prolong an off season? Is it to set up a prep? Is it to get in a better position to gain? It's all about time scales. Um, you just got to under understand time scales, right? Yeah. Cool. Um, is it your turn? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Um, Rosie said, Rosie's one of my clients. She said, how do you cook your meals together as you both have different amounts? We don't usually cook our meals together, no. really. No. We make completely different... Our meals are very similar, but yep. we make our own food at different times. Sometimes we'll sit down and eat our last meal together or something like that, but it's usually made by ourselves, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. We AJ do have doesn't cook for me. That's a lie. I made quite a few of your oatmeals when you were prepping. A few. One. One? That's an absolute lie. Um, I... I'm not a chef, so I'm not any better at cooking than you are. No. But I, I'd say that... We have had thoughts of like doing a meal that we prepare like once a week and we do something that's off our usual plan, but we don't, don't really like that too much, do we? There's no, not we like, just like being in routine. Yeah, there's not really a need for it. We have similar meals, but we eat different quantities, obviously. Like, we're not going to cook a massive bowl of oats and then split it, so yeah. Yeah, I think we find it frustrating when we're, when we're both like on top of each other in the fucking kitchen as well. Yeah. Like, getting in the way, like, I just don't like that. We sometimes go out for meals every so often, but... Yeah, we like our routine. Yeah, 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 agreed. Cool, so next question, um, I'm just going in order, so uh, I'm going to avoid that one for now. Um, are you currently taking on new clients? So you can answer that. I currently have a couple of spaces for clients, however, I am going to cap my clients shortly. I literally have room for like two or three more, but I want to make sure the quality of service I provide stays high, as high as physically possible. And I also want to progress from my own knowledge, become a better coach whilst coaching my clients. Um, and I'm studying for my sports nutrition diploma. So I do need to make sure I've got time to do that as well as coach people. Um, and I don't, I don't ever want to get to the point where I have that many clients that my quality of service declines. And me and AJ both do check-ins through either voice note or video recording so it is time consuming but it's worth it mm -hmm. yeah i'd say it's the same the same really like i i do have the availability if i really want to take on board people but at the moment i think we both agree that we're quite selective um to a degree um because we want to take on board people that essentially we're trying to build a relationship over time we'd rather take on board people that are going to stick with us for a long time and we're not having to take on more and more people because for us like 
the main reward out of coaching is developing that relationship over years potentially, working with someone for years, going through several phases of both you know, off season or, or pushing up their body weight, putting down their body weight, um, and ultimately like making them change and being an accountability tool for them. So we're not really about like just taking on board as many as we can, Offer it, we're offering a very, very tailored service um, you know, Danny, both me and Danny know ourselves how much effort we put into what we do as coaches and it's non-stop, like we give our clients our WhatsApp number, our mobile number, which a lot of coaches don't and that's a whole different ball game to coaching. Like we, we'll, we won't have like a moment in our day, like we'll finish our podcast here and we'll probably have 10, 15 WhatsApp messages of like form clips or voice notes to listen to. Like it's an incredibly demanding process. So. Um, Dan is very correct in saying that, you know, as coaches we set caps and that limit is so that we can provide a quality level of service but also look to continue our education. Obviously, Danny herself um, in a process of education that's way more than I'm doing at the moment. You know, I, at the moment I just read or listen to podcasts, that's my education. That's just um, as informative there. Yeah, it is to a degree, and I think that the, the, the reason why I do that over doing something like the ISSN is because I personally don't, I don't like or enjoy reading, um, as a, I'm a much more of an audio or a visual learner, so I like video content, actually one of the questions was, you know, where do we learn, what do we learn from, and what do you think is the best place to learn, so for me it's like audio, visual content, podcasts, watching other people's videos. In fact, for me, like watching other people's member sites, so like Jordan Peters' member site, um, Hypertrophy Coach member site, Matt Jansen's, because I want to build my member site, so I've got to learn what they're doing. Um, and yeah, like what do you think is, like have you always been someone that like likes to read, likes to take exams and likes to gain qualifications or? Uh, a bit of both. Like, I like to learn and read about what I'm actually interested in. So, for example, like at school, if I wasn't interested in a subject, I couldn't put the time in and mm. read upon it. Yeah. But nutrition, I am interested in. Okay. And training, so I can read about okay. it. Yeah. Um, I'm doing more. I'm getting yeah. more. So, I do more. like to read if the information I think is valuable to me. And on the ISN diploma, I definitely think it is. Um, because it teaches you how to apply the science behind training nutrition rather than just spitting information out at you sort of thing in studies. Um, but equally I do like to listen to podcasts and watch videos so I like a bit a good balance of everything really um, and it depends what I'm doing. Mm. We don't really stop like in the end of the day we're always listening to something we've always got something yeah. on in the background and in the evenings we're probably listening to a podcast and the moment we listen to quite a lot of Revive Stronger, don't we? Yeah. We mostly listen to like Revive Stronger's guests. I like the guests you have on Steve if you're listening to this. Steve will listen to this. Yeah. Uh, we like you, Steve. Um, and Pascal. Don't worry, Pascal. We like you too. Um, <laughs> do you want to take one? Um, I'm just trying to think about which ones. So, someone asked, does training as a couple affect any other aspects of your relationship? Positives slash negatives? Um, I'd say not really negatively, I don't think. No. Um, we have a very similar style of training. We both like to push really hard. Yeah. We complement each other. Yeah, I, I don't see any negatives to my... If only positives, to be honest, of my yeah. training since, since having a relationship. The only way it would negatively affect our relationship is if AJ has a shit session and oh, then comes no. home. 
Yeah, I have had one or two of them. That's, that's the only time it would I like... think it's the same with you, though, to a degree, though, because yeah. we are quite emotionally attached to our sessions. Like, yeah, you know, if something goes wrong, like, for example, when your foot was not good, like, you, yeah. you never took it out on me, but you weren't in the best of moods yeah. sometimes because you were frustrated you couldn't yeah, train legs. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I was hitting squat PRs and you were not training legs. That's annoying. Yeah. So, yeah, I think if one of us is injured or ill, it's not fun. Yeah, because we have to watch the other person train and do what we want to do. And still support can't. them. Yeah. And be like, yay, well done. But in every I'll, other I'll way, train. I only see positives to it. Yeah, 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 same, same. Like, Danny motivates me. I motivate Danny a little bit. Yeah. In there. Um, and also, we critique each other. Like, you know, if I do something and, like, Danny's like, well, why the hell are you doing that? Like, why are you doing that versus this? Um, I've had days where... I, I probably should have taken rest and I should have listened to Danny when she said, you know, maybe you need an extra rest. Um, and uh, like Danny will do a movement and I'll be like, you need to fix that and that. Like we critique yeah. each other in a good way, I think. Um, and we're always, I think we're critical in the sense that we just want each other to be better. So it's not like we're trying to be harsh or anything like that. So when we're critiquing each other on, on something we do or our form or whatever, it's only for a productive reason. Yeah. It's because we care about And we about both know that like, we've got big goals which we want to achieve. So obviously we help each other get there. Yeah. Make the improvements that we need to do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Big goals. Oh God. Um, okay, I'm not sure, too sure about that one. Any quick questions we can just Yeah. Do you track trace sources of macronutrients? Yes. Yeah, 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 we do. Um, another quick one. Do, 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 do. Christian's excited. Hey, Christian. Hope, hope hey, Christian. <laughs> um, okay, so, so sleep. Um, have you, you've had issues with your sleep. So yeah. what... Adam's basically... Sleep's been fine. Started his mini car. Sleep is shit. Um, what's going on there, how would you dissect that, and how can we look to improve Adam's sleep? First of all, make sure you've got a good pre-bed routine. For me, I really suffer if I'm like working late at night, just before I go to bed without my blue light blockers on. Um, it helps me to wear blue light blockers. AJ's recently got the diffuser in the bedroom, which helps me get into a good sleep. Um, I always have to make sure I go to the toilet before I go to sleep, otherwise I always wake up in the middle of the night, and I usually do anyway. Um, my sleeping mask does help me, but I've not had that recently. Um, and making sure that I've eaten all my food within a decent time of going to bed, like, I'll suffer with sleep if I eat too late and then go to bed, like, straight after, or if I don't allow long enough for it to digest. Yeah, yeah. I'd I say don't eat close enough to bed. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a fine balance. You're yeah. very right in saying, and I, I love the fact that you touched on routine first. Yeah. Routine is like your fundamental baseline. So, Adam, if, if there's something that's changed in your routine, then you need to assess that. Um, if you're not having enough carbohydrates pre-bed and therefore releasing some degree of serotonin, so you're relaxing. Um, also, carbohydrates tend to have like a sleepy effect in most people, um, especially with a slower digesting carb, something like oats, um, with maybe some additional fat, would be a really good pre-bed meal. I mean, obviously when you're mini-cutting, you want to prioritize the workout window, so especially if you're training like 
maybe mid-morning. It's awkward to try and fit a large bolus of carbs, especially in a mini-cut aggressive yeah. diet, towards pre-bed. But if we look into the role that sleep plays in recovery performance and muscle retention, I'd favour sleep over slight changes in nutrient timing around the workout. So if you can improve sleep by, um, uh, by, by basically improving your pre-bed meal, then I would favour that. Um, I'd also say if you've got something on your mind and you're stressing about something, that's not going to help you sleep. So make sure you've got your to-do list ticked off for the day before you go to bed yeah. and anything which is playing on your mind, sort it before you go to bed because that's where I would like suffer. Yeah, don't overthink. Yeah. Don't overthink, get it all, get, get it all out with it on like a whiteboard or whatever. Um, and also like plan your next day as well. Like if you're, your, your schedule may have changed, Adam, so you may be like much more busy at work, work stress may be higher. Um, really have the importance of owning your own time is something to, I say a lot to my P, uh, uh, clients who PT. Um, they don't have enough time in the evening to chill out. So scheduling some of your own time is super important so that when you come home, you relax and you actually have a bit of time to yourself before you go to bed. Um, if you're rushing from you know, straight from the car into, into the flat and then going straight to bed, I mean, you've struggled with that before in the past My as well. sleep when I was a PT was shocking and it, it was short and the quality of my sleep wasn't very good. And at the end of the day, you've just got to deal, make the most of what you've got. So I only had a certain amount of hours to sleep, so I just had to make do with that, get on with it, take naps in the day if I needed to, um, and do what had to be done and not stress too much about it. But now I'm able to make my sleep better quality and have a better quality of quantity of sleep as yeah. well. Um, I kind of take advantage of that. Sure. Make good. sure I've got a good pre-bed routine, etc. Perfect, yeah, when we're in routine, we're, we're on it with sleep. And don't drink caffeine too close to when you go to bed. Yeah, yeah, of course, caffeine has a half-life, so don't be consuming caffeine, ideally, like, past 2, 3 p.m. if you can, um, but obviously some people train late. Uh, Non-stim pre-workouts in that case are good, um, so looking at pre-workouts like Mega Pre that do not contain caffeine but still have pump agents, all of these things take into consideration. Um... Uh, well, there was a good question here by uh, B underscore Cocker. Um, do you see lat pull down exercises as volume work as progression is generally quite limited and acute? So essentially what he means there is that are we looking to progressively overload, over, overload a lat pull down um, or are we looking for it to be situated in a program as more of a blood volume uh, metabolite technique I or exercise? Okay. I try and progress any movement really. Yes, yeah, so, so, so like my, my perspective on this is that it totally depends where you're situating the yeah. like pull down in the session. So for example, in like a, in an upper body session or even a pull session, if it was like third or like fourth in the session, I'd say that that's still a movement that you can progressively yeah, overload. Um, whereas if it's later in the session as a finisher, so like fifth, sixth exercise in the session prior to bicep work, I'd say that then it can become more of a pump-focused blood volume movement. And in that case, progressive overload in that sense is not the primary goal. The primary goal is to accrue blood volume. So if you're losing connection with the movement because you're trying to progressively overload it, and that's the case even when it's third or second in the session, if you're losing the whole goal of the movement, which is to connect with your lats, 
if you're losing that, then you're progressively overloading too fast. But the, the goal should still be, very very much right, what Danny's saying, the goal should still be to progressively overload that movement. But you are right in saying that progression on something like a lap pulldown, especially with form standardised, isn't as fast as something like a deadlift. Yeah. Um, you know, it's going to be slower. Um, how do you tend to program lap pulldowns in your female sessions? How, whereabouts are they situated in most of the programmes? I personally program it near the beginning because okay. a lot of girls struggle to get a good connect connection with the lats. Yeah, and what so would you say as cues for lap pulldowns? So to drive your elbow down to the base of your spine. Mm. I would typically program something like a D-handle lap pull down near the beginning of the session in order to create a good connection with the lats. Okay, interesting. Because a lot of girls struggle with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of them. Would you do that single arm or dual arm? Single. Single, yeah. D-handle, single, yeah. Yeah. Nice. I like that too. Activate the lats. Yes. And then go in. <laughs> go in, yeah. Yeah, go in. Um, right. And a lot of the girls that I've coached as well have commented on how much of a good connection they've got with that. So, yeah, maybe try it. Perfect. If you want some bikini lats, be cocker. Then, uh, <laughs> I don't know if B-Cocker will want some bikini lats. I'm pretty sure B-Cocker wants all the lats. B-Cocker. <laughs> I'm going to have to crop that. Um, uh, Alex, Alex from Iron Athlete, Alex Fodder, asked the guy who was spotting me on the 195, um, what do you think are the most important qualities of a good coach? I like this question. You can go first, pressure on. I think, obviously you've got to know your shit. You've got to be able to be empathetic and put yourself in your client's shoes because everybody's different. Yeah. Like one size doesn't fit all. Um, and there's going to be times where your client is going through stuff and you've got to be able to kind of... Relate? Yeah, you've got to be able to relate to them, you've got to be able to empathise um, and not just be like, grow up and get on with it because sometimes people go through stuff where they just need a bit of empathy. Um, and you need to also, I'm trying to think of the most important one to say. I think um, I think developing the relationship, like being able to being yeah, being able to develop a relationship with clients, and I think the, the the fundamental bottom line is care, like because yeah. where we see people go wrong. That's where I'd say empathy then. Yeah, same thing. Same thing, but I, empathy is more relating to the client. Like yeah, care, care, care cares within everything. Care is within your feedback, carries yeah. within the WhatsApp, carries within, you know, everything. Care is, like, you have to care more than anyone. Like, care, care more than anyone will care about the client. I think that's the most important thing because um, where I see a lot of coaches go wrong is they either take on board so many or they lose touch with what the actual goal with, is with the client. So they, they, don't, they don't have that ground level of care for the client they don't they don't they don't necessarily take care of their programming they send out a generic program they don't take care of their nutrition they don't make it tailored to them you've got um, to want to you've got to, you've got to want your client to achieve their goals as much as they want their goals in order for them to achieve success and you've got to care about actually being good at what you do being a good coach 
more than just being successful, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, forget about the money to yeah. a degree. Like, you can make fantastic money with uh, not a lot of clients. Like, you don't need hundreds of clients. You don't need, realistically, any more than 30 to make a very good living out of online coaching. Um, considering the other other revenue streams that you can create, so yeah, I, I'd say just just care is one of the most important qualities. And then, um, like you said it uh, in one of your most recent today's posts actually on Instagram, um, the understanding that you can always be better and that you can always yeah. learn more. Um, the minute you think that you know everything is the minute you fucking never progress as a coach. Nobody knows everything. Nobody. There is always room for improvement. Um, and going back to what AJ said about money, I was saying to him the other day how like I actually just want to be good at what I do as a coach. I want to be a very successful coach who gets my clients where they want to be. Mm. I don't. I'd rather have less clients and be have my clients be very successful than have a ton of clients and not know what's going on with each of them. Yeah, absolutely. Um... Quality uh, over quantity. Quality over quantity all the time. Um, I just think like, you know, when I've got carried away with client intakes, I've seen it. I've seen my quality drop off. Um, and I, I also think that it's very important to understand and stay in your lane to a degree. I see a lot of people trying to be something they're not. Um, like trying to you know, give almost doctor level advice when they can't do it or use fancy phrases and names for things when in reality the process itself is, is, is simple. Like for example, you know, Danny's clients um, at the moment, yes she's getting a lot more competitors but you do have some general population clients. If you were working to the, to the extent where every bit of your content was um, totally un, like non-understandable, like you people couldn't understand the way in which you were writing content, you wouldn't attract the people that you're trying to attract. So, so yeah, you've got to understand where your client base is, who you're trying to attract, and keep putting out information that's tailored to them. Um, there's no point in, as a coach, speaking on a level that your clients aren't going to understand. Um, I think speak, like one of the things that I was always taught is, especially when I was coaching, um, as a PT, more general population is speaking their language. So, yeah. like when people were using, like clients of mine were using words like toned and things like that, I wasn't the first to say, oh no, you can't tone, like that's the wrong word. Like instead, talk in their language. So, like if they want to say toned, let them say toned. Yeah. Um, but explain to them what we're going through to achieve a toned look because you've got to give the client what they want, a pinch of what they want with a pinch of education as to why you're doing it and how you're doing it in your way. As an example of that as well, my approach has changed since I was one-to-one -one personal training. Um, so now I'm online, the, the methods I use for them to track their data in terms of training, nutrition, body composition, etc. have all changed. Now I'm working with majority competitors and now I'm working online as well because obviously I'm not seeing those people in person. Um, they have to send me training videos, they have to track their data really accurately and track a lot more data because I'm not seeing them, I'm not having that face-to-face -face conversation. Um, and that's one of the reasons I run my check-ins through VoiceNote as well, so that they have that level of contact and I can explain things in more detail, they can relay to me how they're feeling more accurately. Um, it's, in my opinion, it's much 
more uh, thorough than yeah. like a written message, for example. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Cool. Um, did you want to take another one of yours? Because I've taken. Okay, there's one that says, uh, Holly said, how do you handle the relationship when one person is prepping and sex drive is zero? <laughs> Holly, we haven't really experienced this to the huge degree that it probably will be in 2020 yeah. yet. Because I've been in off season the entire time we've been in a relationship. There was only um, like two weeks. I met AJ like two weeks before my most recent show. Yeah, yeah. So it was only like two weeks that we yeah. knew each other. Sure. Um, and I think any anyway, like in terms of the things that are going to affect sex drive when you die down next time, like in terms of external stresses, etc., that are going to ma massively knock you out, you're going to have less of those because you're not going to be doing PT. Yeah. So your hours are going to be like not as strenuous, etc. So. Potentially that'll have a role to play. Um, but for me, I, I don't know, like, the thing is, I, I won't be able to answer that question until I prep. I mean, mine were awful last prep. Awful, but I was in a relationship. And I didn't, like, I didn't have any sort of attraction or anything like that to anyone. So I don't know what it's like. I know that um, Harry, actually, one of our friends, had commented, like, he didn't, basically didn't really lose his sex drive in prep because he was in a relationship. Um, so I think, I don't know, it depends. We'll see what happens. We'll keep you updated. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, gotta have the attraction there. It's all about the love, guys. Like, if you, if, if you like someone, I reckon you can maintain the sex drive. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm not sure, I'm not sure about we'll update you on that. That's <laughs> fucking weird. <laughs> she asked the question. Right. Maybe we'll just DM Holly and just give her an update. For fuck's sake. <laughs> right, Jack, you asked like four questions. So um, we're running into like almost 40 minutes now, so we'll take one of your questions. Um, nice one. I've answered, he knows about deloading because I've talked about that. Deloading is the same for females. We don't change anything with deloads for females. No. No. Unless they, like, unless for example, um, you could potentially time a deload around that time of the month um, if they experience really bad PMS, but yeah, yeah, and again, it's going to be difficult to do that, isn't it? Yeah. Unless you're doing what you're doing now, which is tracking the menstrual yeah. cycle. So yeah, I think I'm doing that more often as well now, like actually trying to track menstrual cycles. Um, that's another quick one, actually. What's easier, coaching female or male? Um, Danny doesn't coach males, but I would quite easily say that coaching male is a little bit easier to some degree. And, and that's not to sound to horrible. There's more to consider with females. And seeing your coaching as well makes me realise that there is a lot more at play. Yeah. Um, and there is sometimes quite a bit more demands. Um, like a lot of my males, a lot of my males actually just, I don't know what's going on with the camera, um, a lot of my males just crack on with it. Sorry. There's one that says, if you had to be coached by anyone, who would you choose? Um, this is a really difficult one for me because I, I, I love coaching myself. So from, from, from my perspective, I don't, I don't really want a coach, but if I was to pick one, I'd pick one based on who, who motivates me. Um, so it would probably be someone like Jordan Peters, Cliff Wilson, or potentially Valentin Tambosi, um, just because I know how much a friend he is of mine. Um, but yeah, Cliff, Valentin, or um, Jordan. Just because I know that they approach with most of those guys, and it's not so, actually Cliff and Valentin would have a very different approach with training, which would be interesting, um, because I know they're much more high volume than Jordan would be, but they're all 
with the same mindset of like very much uh, all or nothing kind of approach yeah. in the sense that there's not so much of a balanced approach to getting me lean. It would be, you're right, you have to do this to get where you need to be, crack the hell on with it. Yeah. That's what I would like about that coaching. Um, but to be honest, in 2020, if I really think about who's going to be giving me the best eye for the process, it will probably be Danny like learning about what a male bodybuilding prep looks like through me telling her what she needs to see and then her giving me feedback on that. Um, so I think Danny will learn a lot actually about coaching yes. a male bodybuilder. Yeah, and there's no fucking reason why she can't do that in the, in the future. There is no reason why she can't coach female, uh, male bodybuilders um, because the process itself is very similar. Um, she just have to have an eye for it. So, and I, I personally think an in-person eye is way better than a photo eye. So that's why I'm very grateful to have Danny for sure. Yeah. So yeah. And it'll be the same. Like if I do prep myself in 2020, obviously AJ will be my second eye. In terms of coaches, I think especially with bikini, there's a lot of coaches out there who just have a very large number of clients, and it doesn't appeal to me so much because. All I think is how the heck do they know what's going on? Yeah. And yeah. I know there's not what's, many what is coach, me as well. Yeah, there's not many coaches who put as much into it as me and AJ do. I know that for a fact. Mm. Um so yeah, it's difficult it'd have to be someone who I can learn from, who knows their shit and just isn't like a dick about stuff. Yeah, yeah. Basically. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I think it's unfortunate because all these coaches that have maybe a little bit too many are all very good coaches, um, but they're just getting greedy and yeah. ultimately when you get greedy you can't give enough, I think, especially with the intricacy of contest prep. Like, how are you going to manage five girls peaking? Like, I tried to manage like five or six people peaking for some shows last year and I fucked up quite a few of them because I wasn't being able to be as attentive as I need to. Um, I'd get better at that. Um, and I think that this year I'll be even better at it. So if I have multiple pe people peaking for one week, I'll be able to manage it better. That comes through experience. But I think still, like even in the future, I don't want to be peaking that many people in one week. Um, I don't want to be handling that many contest prep clients because it is a very, very very fine-tuned process that you have to manage um so yeah like, and you have to be able to develop that relationship with people as well and you're not going to be able to build it when you've got 50 plus people coming on your books yeah um, and also so, if i was ever to work with a coach i think i'd have to work with them through the off season first yeah just because it makes such a big difference you've got to learn to get to know someone everybody's different everybody's going to respond differently to different protocols so you have to spend time working with them first, ideally, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, so. sure. So guys, um, the camera's making funny noises and running out of battery at a rapid rate. So I think we're gonna leave this one here. Um, we've got plenty of questions, like we could probably do another one at some point, so. Part two. Part two, maybe, yeah. Guys, so if you enjoyed this, like, let us know. Share us on your Instagram, tag us, um, say couple goals, say all that stuff. Um, but yeah, generally, I thank you very much for watching. As Thanks, guys. <laughs> as I've said, um, follow Danny's podcast with Sammy, and you'll enjoy that very much a female-focused podcast. And yeah, leave any comments or suggestions below, and we'll chat soon.
We appreciate it, guys. Thank you. See you in a bit. Bye.